Welcome to Tower Talks with Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast. And now for your weekly recap, a timely review of this week's top headlines and takeaways. Here's your host. Welcome to Inside Towers Week in Review. I'm Leslie Stimson, Inside Towers Washington Bureau Chief. With me are John Celentano, our business editor, and Jim Fryer, our managing editor. This episode is sponsored by Inside Towers Intelligence, a quarterly market report that dives deep into the wireless infrastructure ecosystem. It looks at market trends, capital expenditures, relevant M&A transactions, and more. Intelligence is designed for managers, marketers, and investors. Our second quarterly report is available now. An annual subscription also includes an exclusive briefing and online support. For more information or to subscribe, visit InsideTowers.com slash intelligence. And Jim, that brings us to our first story of the week from you. Yes. Uh, well, we are never free of COVID news in this day and age. Hopefully someday we will, we will be. But uh, as the world spins right now, we are, we are not. And Verizon uh, recently updated their COVID policy saying that uh, all U.S. employees must provide proof of vaccination. Uh, so with the, with, with the federal government recently announcing that the, the executive order that mandated uh, COVID vaccines for employees of federal contractors like Verizon, Verizon issued a revised COVID policy. It applies to those who work in connection with federal contracts and extends to other employees who work in the same locations. It also includes those who are working from home and functions connected to federal government work. Uh, Craig Silliman, who's uh, Verizon's executive VP of legal and public policy, said uh, in light of the current requirements and the additional requirements that are forthcoming from the, the Department of Labor, uh, non-union Verizon employees in the U.S. must provide proof they are fully vaccinated regardless of where they work or how they come into a Verizon work location. Thank you, Jim. And John, that brings us to you. Tell us about Cox. Thanks, Leslie. Well, Cox Communications, a big cable company, is um, getting back into wireless again. Cox Communications is a subsidiary of privately held Cox Enterprises based in Atlanta. Um, and the company was told recently by Delaware Court that it could not partner with Verizon on mobile services, uh, that according to broadband broadband breakfast. Uh, the court upheld a prior contractual obligation Cox Communications had with Sprint and that Cox must launch new wireless services with T-Mobile. If we go back to 2008, uh, Cox actually operated wireless services under the Cox wireless name in four major markets uh, in Orange County, California, Hampton Roads, Virginia, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and Omaha, Nebraska. And um, uh, offered it uh, their services uh, under the moniker of un unbelievably fair, where they offered to refund money to subscribers for unused minutes. At that point, Cox was a virtual mobile network operator on Sprint's 3G network, but Cox had bigger wireless ambitions in mind. In 2008, it competed in auction 73 and acquired. 22700 megahertz licenses for $305 million with the idea of building its own 4G LTE network and committed another 500 million to actually construct that network. 
But by May 2011, uh, Cox actually shelved its plan to build that standalone network, instead offering to provide wireless services as a Sprint MVNO and migrate all Cox wireless customers to Sprint by the end of 2011. Come the end of the year, Cox decided to pull the plug on wireless altogether and decommissioned um, its wireless operations and retracted its plans to offer services as a Sprint MVNO. Fast forward to 2020, uh, Cox participated in the uh, auction 105, the CBRS 3.5 gigahertz spe uh, uh, spectrum auction and acquired 470 priority access licenses in 173 counties for almost $213 million. And these PALs, like uh, its cable uh, company um, uh, confreres, uh, actually overlay Cox's wireless uh, cable operations in 18 states. And more importantly, Cox has decided to take a more measured approach to wireless and has established a field trial with the city of Las Vegas using its CBRS uh, PALs to uh, create a smart city application in the city to monitor traffic movement and parking patterns and, uh, and offer uh, safety, um, uh, public safety through video cameras. So uh, the company is, uh, is getting back into wireless uh, using its, uh, its newly acquired licenses and expects to really focus on smart city applications as well as offering wireless services in its bundle uh, for internet and, uh, and video uh, offerings. So we're going to keep an eye on it. I think it's an interesting development and uh, it speaks to how the cable companies are taking advantage of opportunities in wireless. So that brings us to Ohio. Big happenings there this week. The Lieutenant Governor announced the broadband and 5G sector partnership grant application, as well as the 5G readiness programs at Youngstown State University and Ashland University. All that's being done in partnership with the Wireless Infrastructure Association. The state legislature and the administration put more than $250 million towards grant funding. The grant uh, application period opens Monday, October 25th. It closes Friday, December 17th. The grant award will be announced in January. Uh, there was a big announcement in Ohio, and Rick and Thacker, the chief technology officer at WIA, um, he said, we need enterprising leaders like you who are open to partnering with industry. He said the 5G readiness training will address the skills gap that the industry is facing. He said, through this partnership, Ohio will not only create the high-skilled workforce needed to deploy 5G networks, but will also build the broadband infrastructure faster to bridge the digital divide. And Jim, you're up next. Uh, yes, Leslie, our friends at Phoenix Tower International continue their aggressive acquisitions of portfolios around the world and uh, certainly have strengthened their position in the uh, Caribbean market, have announced They've entered into an exclusivity agreement regarding the acquisition of 203 wireless towers in the French West Indies. Uh, this is with a carrier in the French West Indies. Uh, it's the name is Outremer, but because it's French, I will say Outremer Telecom, and um, they uh, have an agreement uh, over the. Through, with the build a suit program 
that will span over 10 years uh, across the French West Indies as far as build out. And um, it will result in them um, with, with the carrier occupying those sites for at least 20 years uh, as, a, as a lead tenant. Uh, this transaction gives uh, Phoenix Tower International, otherwise known as PTI, uh, 437 towers, making them certainly one of the, the dominant players down there, if not the dominant player down there. Uh, the CEO, uh, Dane Casavana, said that uh, the increased presence of PTI as a neutral host independent tower company in the region facilitates their increased coverage expansion for all wireless operators and ultimately enhances the connectivity for the population of the French West Indies. Thanks, Jim. So Representative Mike Doyle, Democrat of Pennsylvania, announced this week that he will not run for re-election next year. So that means his position is going to open in early 2023. Um, he is the he is the chairman of the House Telecommunications Subcommittee. And the jockeying has already begun, well, not to the jockeying, the speculation has already begun about what senior Democrat might replace him. Names have been bandied about like uh, Representative Butterfield of South Carolina, Doris Matsui of California. Um, Doyle replaced Anna Eshoo of California as the subcommittee's top Democrat in 2017, and he became chairman of that, that subcommittee in 2019. He has pushed for aggressive investment to build out broadband internet infrastructure and better coordination on 5G spectrum. He's also helped shape the recent debates over infrastructure spending. Industry, uh, you know, is sad to see him say he's going to step down, but they understand um, he uh, one of the reasons he said he wanted to do it now is because it gives other people a chance to get their election campaigns in order. So he thought it was a, a good time to do it. Um, there's also at least one person he would have faced in the primary. So he he, he said he wanted to get on with his life. The uh, the telecom and broadcast industries praised him. Nate said throughout his chairmanship on the House Subcommittee on Communications and Technology, Chairman Doyle provided thoughtful leadership and showed that he had a deep understanding of our industry. That was Todd Washam, Nate Director of Government Relations. Um, Chairman Doyle and I have worked closely together since my days on the FCC. That's from Wireless Infrastructure Association President and CEO Jonathan Adelstein. He's, uh, of course, referring to his term as an FCC commissioner. His steady-handed leadership has made him a force in telecommunications and wireless policy. NAB congratulated Doyle on his retirement, too. Um, NAB President and CEO Gordon Smith said during his 14 terms in Congress, Representative Doyle has been diligently focused on serving his constituents, and we appreciate his recognition for the vital role local radio and television stations play in his district and in communities across the country. That brings us to another story from Washington this week. The Rural Wireless Association urged the FCC to require the three major nationwide carriers 
AT&T, Verizon, and T-Mobile to delay their planned shutdowns of their 3G networks. Each carrier has announced plans to sunset 3G service on dates ranging from December 31st of this year, that's T-Mobile, to mid-2022, that's Verizon and AT&T. The RWA told the agency its rural member carriers need more time to transition to voice over LTE roaming before 3G is shut down nationwide. John, that brings us to a story about Crown Castle from you. Yeah, thanks, Leslie. I, I had a story this week titled Crown Castle Surfs the Wireless Build-Out Tsunami. The company claims that it is enjoying outsized results as its major mobile network operator tenants, T-Mobile, ATT, Verizon, accelerate their 5G deployments with new construction uh, on existing sites and, um, and modifications to those sites. And on top of that, uh, DISH is participating as a newcomer and has committed to build out um, new cell sites on up to 20,000 Crown Castle Towers. Um, the results in their third quarter earnings call that they held this week show that the uh, consolidated site rental revenues were up to $4.3 billion, uh, roughly 7% over the same period uh, for, uh, uh, in 2020. Uh, service revenue grew 16% to uh, services, meaning site modifications, uh, site preparation for the carriers to install. Uh, those revenues grew to 40, 441 million. And uh, the company is guiding to full year 2021 revenues of 5.7 billion and then upping it again another 5% in 2022 to 5.9 billion. Of the total revenue mix, Towers comprises about 66% of that. Uh, at 2.8 billion, that's up uh, 8% over the um, nine-month period in 2020. Uh, fiber is up 4% to nearly a billion dollars, and small cells uh, grew to uh, 439 million, an increase of 8%. Now the company says that all its customers are firing at all cylinders and and looks forward to. Uh, increasing activity and and um, revenue growth and profitability growth going forward. It did point out that uh, from the second quarter call, it indicated that one of its carriers uh, backed off on its small cell deployment commitment for both 2021 and 2022. Uh, Crown Castle characterized this more as a shift in priorities rather than a loss of business. Uh, it expects that uh, once the macrocell activity for 5G and C-band plays out over the next several years, that the carriers will get back into densifying their networks, particularly in the metro areas, and that the demand for small cells uh, will uh, ramp back up in, in the 2023-2024 timeframe. Uh, uh, as a result uh, of the, the dip in activity, uh, the company is forecasting a small decline in the capital expenditures for 2022 in the range of 1.1 to 1.2 billion. That's consistent with 2021, but down from the 1.5 billion that was spent in 2020. So we expect uh, a lot of uh, a lot more from Crown Castle. Uh, it's our pre one of our premier infrastructure companies in this business, and um, and is really 
actually enthusiastic about uh, the prospects for its future and uh, is looking forward to continued uh, activity with its, uh, with its carrier customers. Thank you, John. And Jim, you can wrap us up for the week. All right. Well, hey, happy birthday to us. Inside Towers reached eight years old this week. In my editorial about this, I pointed out that uh, this industry works at an accelerated pace so that a year in wireless infrastructure is not quite a year like in the old trucking industry. Um, so that I estimated that maybe we've seen three years of growth to every one year of growth you might see in another industry that's not moving quite as, as fast. Uh, so I put us at about 25 years worth of change over that eight years time uh, that we've covered. And, and it's kudos to all of you out there who've uh, uh, been working at this accelerated pace and we've been doing our best to keep up with it. And, and we're proud of the fact that we are the only medium out there that um, covers it at the, at the pace you travel on a, on a daily basis because it's, it's uh, worthy of that kind of coverage. And it's, it's one that we're uh, proud to cover and, and proud to present to you all. And we wanna thank everybody out there for their, their readership and uh, their they're always interactive relationship and for all the input that they give us that helps us keep churning out a, a good solid editorial product with best editorial team in the business and a terrific marketing staff. So we look forward to uh, another, another eight years, certainly and beyond. Uh, and uh, once again, thanks everyone for that. That's a wrap. Thank you for listening to inside towers week in review. Thank you for listening to Tower Talks. To subscribe to our podcast, our daily newsletter, or use our other industry resources, please visit InsideTowers.com. Until next time, you've been listening to Tower Talks from Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast.